it's important in any organization, especially a football team, to make sure everybody's on the same page. Everybody knows uh, the objective and everybody knows what their role is. And uh, we're still evolving in that. Every day that goes by, day by day, we're getting closer. Welcome to the Go Big Redcast, the Husker Fan Sports Show with Dave, Honky, Mac, and Boomer. Welcome to the Go Big Redcast. I'm your host, David Gaspers, and I'm with Honky. Looking forward to our March 22nd show the release of Husker History 101 with Mike Babcock of uh, Hale Varsity. Mac and I had a chance to interview him last week. Uh, you're not going to want to miss this one, Redcasters. Hockey's dream is to be an adjunct professor of Husker history. <laughs> also with Mac. What's up, Redcasters? Hey, I just want to uh, send a quick shout-out to my nephew, Sean. He's serving over in Germany. Uh, recently won the European Airman of the Year over there. So proud of you, man. Can't wait to see you again. I don't know what that means, but that's very impressive. It means he's more ambitious than his uncle was by a long shot. <laughs> <laughs> he could win, like, podcaster of the year <laughs> right, or something. That's, that's my only hope. <laughs> At least in your own household. Right. Uh, I'm also with Boomer. Well, I just wanted to apologize to uh, Fred Hoiberg and the rest of the, the basketball staff that we weren't able to uh, make up part of your roster for the game on Wednesday, but I, I think you'll just have to make do with uh, some football players. Yeah, a lot of odd goings on there. I would love to take a deep dive in that, but hey, spring ball's upon us, right? Yep. We had the big uh, presser on Monday, got a lot of great quotes. Max, so let's start with you. Uh, Frost had, oh, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes of good quotes there to start us off. You know, he covered a range of topics from how they're practicing, trying to keep the hype down. He told us a lot about the quarterback situation. Where do you want to start here? You know, it's the first chance we've got to hear from these guys since December. So, you know, there had been a pileup of questions that everybody had kind of had going forward. So it was nice to get those guys out there in front of the media and kind of debrief Husker Nation about what's been going on behind the scenes. I thought Frost's tone during the press conference was interesting. He it was it maybe a little more humble this time around, more matter of fact. He addressed some things straight out of the gate, injury-wise. He talked about Adrian's shoulder injury, specifically saying non-throwing shoulder, which is it, that's an interesting departure from how he's been before on before on injuries, and you wonder if that's something that might change going forward if he learns that might not be the best way to protect a player. But beyond that, though, you're right, Dave. He mentioned some some tweaks in the practice format. Uh, you know, he was finally asked about you know Matt Lubick coming back. There was a there was a lot of Husker information that came out of that press conference. Um, if you look at it, it's starting at the quarterback. That was one of the biggest questions coming into the spring. Is there going to be a true quarterback conversation? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I feel like I got one thing right on a previous episode, and I feel like I got one thing wrong. A week ago, I talked about McCaffrey, and I was like, he's absolutely, to me, a quarterback this spring. You don't pull him away to be wide receiver or anything like that, and that's exactly what Frost came out and said. We talked about uh, Luke and and his role. Um, I think there, there may be a time to talk about something else for him down the road. Right now, he's competing to be the quarterback. Um, that's what, that's what he is in our eyes. Um, so we want to give him every chance in the spring to do that. Uh, come fall, if he's not the guy, then, uh, I'm sure there's some ways that we can use him. On the side note, I, I mentioned how much I think if we're going to have a, a true quarterback competition, you got to get those green jerseys off. And I am not going to win that <laughs> argument right now. He, he's going to be in green jerseys. And my feeling is that the rest of the, the quarterbacks based off of what he said, 
are going to be in green jerseys for the majority of it. I think he talked a little bit about some uh, red zone, you know, action right. where they might yeah. get it. But for the most part, this is going to be green jerseys. Uh, Adrian's a little limited. He had off-season shoulder surgery on his non-throwing shoulder. Um, he's non-contact, but we're not going to be doing a lot of contact with our quarterbacks anyway. So just about everything, maybe short of goal line drills where we'd run the quarterback, we're going to be comfortable with him uh, taking snaps. They are going to make these guys compete whether they're getting hit or not. They're going to make them compete with tempo. He talked a lot about tempo on this. And I think the real big takeaway I took on offense was Lubick. Mm -hmm. And what Lubick brings from an organizational standpoint, they were really high on Lubick in that regard, what he brings to the room to make sure that they are practicing the right way, to make sure that their quarterbacks are doing the right thing, the receivers are running the right routes, all those kinds of things. That is certainly, they feel like they've made a step up by bringing him in. I will say it, it is possible for the quarterback to play power forward, if not wide receivers. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's what we're going to see that, actually, as Nebraska takes on Indiana in Indianapolis with Noah Vedral, right? That's right. Dave, are you in Indianapolis right now? Yeah, it's a good point, Honky. We should talk. I may sound like I'm in a phone booth of some sort. Or at least maybe it's a biocontainment union. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, my four-year-old daughter uh, twisted herself around my microphone right before we began this recording and uh, broke the mic. So I am calling in on the show. So I know Honky as an editor will do a great job of making me sound like I'm sitting right next to them. But I may sound slightly different than usual. Yeah, not a chance. <laughs> you know, real quick, going back to the quarterback portion of the spring, it was interesting to finally hear if Adrian was going to be a full go. Because going back to your green jersey conversation, I, one of the things that he's absolutely not going to be able to do is get hit. So is it going to be a true quarterback competition? It probably is, with the exception of not getting hit. But I thought it was important that Frost say McCaffrey is going to be our going to be practicing at quarterback until such time as we deem fit to change it. So that, to me, that means all the spring. He's going to be mm. definitely playing the quarterback position. I, I don't want to beat this horse dead because we've talked about this literally every spring since we started it, and mostly it's me. But I want to ask the question to you, so I'm not the one talking about it. Okay. Mac, do you think we can have a quarterback competition without the guys getting hit? No. And and here's the thing. It's the spring. It's the spring right now. So I don't know that we don't we don't need to get him hit a bunch right now. Let's get him up to speed. Let's let's run the offense. Let's execute at a high level. Come fall though, we need to have probably some contact in there to see how guys react with the ball in their hands when they get hit, you know, with some force. So in the spring I'm okay with it, but but going into fall, I'm going to I'm going to go ahead and cross that bridge and go over to your your area and say that these guys need to get hit and we have the depth now so that excuse is kind of gone i understand adrian because he's got mm -hmm. a bum wing right now and you don't want to get that guy touched up totally fine no problem with that but at the same time well if we're willing to fame mccaffrey at wide receiver potentially mm -hmm. well then why can't we take the jersey off and play quarterback see that's the thing that makes this counterintuitive to me i guess is i think if this is the time to take the green jerseys off is during spring ball this is the if they get banged around a little bit i'd rather it happen now than in august I mean, you're still going to want to have a little bit of contact in August just to prep them for their first game, but I'm not just asking it this year. I literally have asked it every year, and I'll continue to ask it in the future. I know why you don't want to get the guys hit. I've said it before, you know, 80% of the time, keep them in a green jersey, but those 10 to 20% mm -hmm. of the times where they're not, I just think they're crucial, and especially when you're having a, a true competition. You want to see what guys can do when they have real bullets flying around them. Do you think that it ever changed based on – 
the depth of that room and the you know if everybody was healthy if everybody was coming back healthy in the spring and was ready to go do you think we might get some contact in the future it could be but i'm guessing no i mean dave what do you think on that do you think if all things were equal do you think we would take the green jerseys off i think if you ever see it next year would make the most sense right you'd have adrian as a senior you have noah as a senior and you have Luke and Logan with two and one years, respectively, in the program. So that that would be the ultimate depth right there, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Amen. You know, I would like to talk a little bit more about Lubick and the differences between him and Troy Walters. It does seem like there was maybe a little bit of shade being thrown on Troy, maybe unfairly, maybe not really intentionally, but it's how they answered the questions. Boomer, how'd you take that? I, I thought it was kind of odd, just in the sense of the maybe disorganization that apparently was occurring at times last year. And it actually reflecting back on some of those situations, it kind of makes sense. It's just concerning, though, that that was happening. And do you really think Lubick is going to fix that? Yeah, I, I kind of took that same takeaway from that that you did, Dave. It was a little concerning. I I could see in year one, you know, there being some chaos and kind of confusion on the sidelines and what you wanted to do in practice, you know, putting a team together, things like that. And this was a little more concerning when it's year two. And if you're still running into those kind of situations and talking about organization and having difficulty with that, I suppose some of it is, you know, you do want to talk Lubick up and why we brought him in here and we're highlighting the positives of it. And I guess we'll find out pretty quickly this season if they are making improvements. I mean, he talked about the organization being so much better, you know, the tempo being good, what it is, you know, getting the reps, which he stressed time and time again are really important to our offense and our, our practice and what they want to do. So we'll find out if it's true. Yeah, Matt's a good friend, uh, also a really good coach. Uh, the level of organization on our offensive side of the ball is already substantially better. Uh, he's already making an impact. Um it's kind of hard to describe how, but it's some of the things we're doing, the way we're charting what we're doing, how many reps of each thing we're getting, making sure things are scripted the right way against the right looks, uh, that we're running plays against every look we need to see it against so the guys can adjust, those types of things. Um, we haven't been as dialed in on as I would have liked to have been, and uh, he's definitely improved us in that area already. Well, let's uh, turn our attention to a few of the other offensive positions. And let's talk about running back, right? We have Diedrich Mills coming back, Ramir Johnson. We still don't know if Ronald Tompkins is fully healthy. What's your sense on the running back position right now? As of right now, it's, I think it's kind of is what we thought it was. I mean, Mills is a, a known product, but he did make mention, Frost, I, I'm, I'm talking about, did make mention Ramir Johnson running as hard as he's ever seen him. So, I mean, those are the little things my ears are really in tune for right now as I want to hear about some other running backs. I mean, if Ronald Tompkins' names even gets whiff, you know, like if I catch a whiff of that name, I'm going to be pretty excited about it. I didn't hear much from Held, but offensively, or when I was listening to, uh, when I was listening to Lubick talk, he was talking about how he kind of liked the depth at running back right now. And he must be thinking those guys coming in are going to be pretty good. The, the spring game is going to be yet another incomplete grade for that position. Wide receiver, running back, it's going to be an incomplete because we just don't know. But the things I'm looking for, this that Mills just keeps trucking along just fine. And he, we need to hear about somebody stepping up behind him. Yeah, see, that's the thing I think with – there's been some chatter on, on social media. I don't want to fast forward to wide receivers yet, but – 
running backs and wide receivers, you know, it's an incomplete during the spring. And that happens every spring. Every spring you have these groups where people, you know, are sitting it out that they normally would be playing or we're waiting on somebody to come to campus over the course of summer. And I feel very good right now at that running back spot that we have a starting guy that is going to be in great shape to start the year off. And I think we have a second guy that, you know, he's going to go through a full year here and I think he's physically going to be ready to go. Yeah, plus let's face it, of all the positions on offense – Running back is probably one of the most likely for a freshman to come in and make an impact, right? Correct. So we need to get through the spring healthy with Mills. Ramir can step up. But it is completely realistic to expect one of our two highly touted freshmen to come in and make an impact and be ready to go. That's not a position where, you know, on the offensive line where you have to get humongous and strong and big or the quarterback where you have to <laughs> learn the position or tight end, same deal, or wide receiver, yeah. you know. like So I'm saying that the position of running back itself lends itself to being not as big of a concern as far as depth goes. You know, I'm not kidding when I say I'd almost rather have a green jersey on our two running backs right now than on the quarterbacks. And I'm not even really joking. Mills, I would say. I don't need to see anything out of Mills from a physical standpoint. No, I, I would we agree with saw that. that. I, would, I, um, I need to see it with Ramir. Ramir, but. yeah. I, I wish we had like two more Maryland games from last year where they just really threw him in there and made him go between the tackles. I wish I saw that. But, I mean, physically, and I know what Frost was talking about yesterday where he's looking at Ramir. I thought several of them looked different than they did last fall. Um, Ramir Johnson ran harder than I'd seen him. Uh, Jamie Nance had a really good day, which was awesome to see. He looked looked confident and, and looked like um, he was out there to make plays instead of just out there to be a freshman. thought Bryce looked good, Brant Banks, um, Farmer, Newsom, a lot of those guys are going to be guys that we're going to have to count on this year. And I'm leaving a lot out, but uh, we're expecting a lot out of those guys. And, and I saw good things in, in one practice today. Ramirez a built dude. He's such a speedster that I think people look at him and think, oh, he's a 170-pound guy out there. No, no he's not an Adrian Killians. He's, he's yeah. not that. He's bigger than that. I think just that offseason with him, those two guys, I'm really comfortable with those two you know, get them healthy through the spring and then bring the rest of the dudes in those, those freshman guys. Yep. So let me ask you this question, huh? So you have Mills and Johnson and Tompkins, who I don't know how fully engaged he will be in practice, but those are your three scholarship running backs. And I totally understand what you're saying here that Fabian Morrison or Marvin Scott come in later and fill the depth uh, as summer begins, et cetera. For spring ball, and I'm talking probably about scrimmage situations here because I imagine with individual drills, it's not a big deal. But is there any issue with depth from like just the defense facing a legitimate running threat and all those type of things where you're trying to get some live action practice and you don't have scholarship running backs? You may be relying on a couple of walk-ons to, to do that. They don't have the same, you know, agility and speed, et cetera. Is that any sort of concern? Yeah, again, the way that, you know, spring ball lends itself to be played out each year, you mentioned it, Dave, walk-ons. I mean, guys like, I think, Brody Belt, there's some other guys there. You might start to throw in some of the Husk R guys. Mm. The Alante Browns might get a few snaps and run there. You know, Wondell Robinson certainly still can take a few. I mean, they'll find ways to get reps to players. I think that the main thing to me right now is to get that position healthy through the spring in time for the the guys to come in, the, the additional uh, Sevian and, and Marvin Scott. And, and, you know, Dave, you mentioned that we don't know what to expect from Ronald Tompkins. 
But it was interesting to note that when Frost mentioned guys who weren't going to fully participate in spring, his name was not one of them. There was Isaac Gifford. It was uh, Henry Gray. And I, I can't remember who the other guy was. But it wasn't Tompkins. So I don't know. I mean, I, I'm not 100% positive that he's not going to contribute. Now, after two knee mm-hmm. surgeries or maybe even – maybe three knee surgeries for all we know in the last three years, it, it gets to be kind of an Adam Taylor territory about what we can expect from this guy. But it wouldn't take much – you know, to, to kind of help that depth if he could contribute a little bit, you know. And he doesn't yeah. have to be all anything right now. He just needs to get in there and get reps and get good at that. That's fine. Yeah, my take We're not on, playing anybody. My take on Tompkins right now is anything we get out of him is a major right. bonus. Because right now, to be honest, I'm really not expecting much. Because there just hasn't been much to be seen or heard yet from him. So he's he's very young. I mean, my gosh, he's only going to be a redshirt freshman. But feels like we're already talking about the next crop of guys over him. It's all about the health with him, right? Yep. And that's unfortunate, obviously. Hopefully he does make a full recovery. Mm-hmm. All right, well, let's uh, turn to the wide receivers. You already mentioned that, Honk, and that's another position that got a lot of publicity that we don't have a lot of depth there during spring. But you do have Wandell. You have Alante Brown. Excited to see what he does. Uh, Houston, Jamie Nance. Uh, Mac, what are you looking for out of that group? But maybe something that you might surprise you. Well, I, I appreciated that kind of out of the gate. Frost mentioned that Hickman is going to be staying outside just for the mm-hmm. start of spring. We kind of speculated on that. It makes a lot of sense. You know, one of the things about him being out there, if it, if it were to continue into the fall, he provides pretty elite blocking on the outside for a wide receiver, which is something we've all touched on about improving the running game is getting better perimeter blocking. So that part's exciting. Uh, Wandell, I think, He's had a year now in the in the off season program. I'd like to not. He, I w- would love to hear that he never needed a couple days off because he's resting his hammies. That's you know, like something we saw last year. You'll see pictures. You know, mid midway through spring, some guys in hoodies on the sideline. I would prefer it not to be him. It would be nice to know that his usage is to a a manageable number because he 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 was a guy who struggled to stay healthy all last year, and that's mm-hmm. forgivable as a freshman. Uh, but at this point, you know, if, if we're trusting Duvall to be building these guys up the way they need to be, then he needs to be good to go. One thing I was encouraged about, again, from Frost Press Conference, he mentioned Nance uh, going out there and trying to make plays as opposed to not making mistakes and looking like a freshman. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we're so quick to write off the last class. We don't know that yet, guys. There was a, Once upon a time, not every freshman contributed right away uh, in, in Husker football. So I think that's... There's, they don't even have to do that much in the in the off season to be contributors too. There's just a, it's just a matter of getting the offense down and letting these guys go out there and try to make plays. That's what I want to see. I want to sure. see guys trying to make plays and not thinking out there at wide receiver. Well, and one of the guys from that last class is Wandell. Yeah, and so not only do I want to see him make it through the spring healthy, like you mentioned, Mac, mm-hmm. like last year, you know, he was having the pulled hamstrings and stuff like that. We want to see him healthy. But he's also literally one of the most experienced receivers yeah. we have right now. Right. You know, minus Spielman, who's we don't know if he's going to be back yeah, or that's not. That's a big question mark. So right this is a, an unbelievable opportunity for a guy like Robinson to take a leadership role. Mm-hmm. The same thing goes with Warner, too. I mean, Warner was injured all last year, and I don't know that we really thought that that was as big of a deal at the time as I think we now can look back at it. I mean, we needed that guy those first six games. We didn't have him. Well, we have them right now, and here's a chance for Warner and Wandell to really take kind of a leadership role in that wide receiver room, and I, I think that's that's key. Well, it's also important to remember that last few years, I feel like I've been burned by the idea of counting on people to come in and contribute that have never worn 
a Husker jersey before. Yeah. And and that's sort of how the wide receiver room looks, right? You know, we're like, oh, the wide receiver, we got to get through spring, but we're counting on Manny, we're counting on Betts. So th- this is a big spring for these guys that are here right now. It would be nice to have some production and a bit of confidence going into the offseason with because I'm not – sold on the guys I haven't seen yet. I'm just not going to yeah. do that. It's, it's, it's Mills, who's a good running back right now, it mm-hmm. took him all year to be a really good running back at the end. So uh, remember Greg Bell? You know, I'm like, <laughs> that guy didn't do much. Remember Will Jackson? He didn't do anything. So well, and, I mean, we've and, got physical specimens before that haven't played well. So people act like we just have to get through the the uh, spring game with these guys. We got We need to see something out of these guys. Well, Mills is a great example of this. Because we saw him struggle a lot at times last year, early on in the season. Mm-hmm. But by the end of it, he fought through it. And by the end, you had a really good Big Ten back, a guy yeah. who's averaging 11 yards a carry against Wisconsin. Yeah. We had something to work with right. by the end of that year. Right. And because he's coming back, I don't feel like it's hype to talk about Mills in a very positive light. We can talk about this guy and go, my gosh, I've seen what he's done against Big Ten teams. Yeah. We've seen him go between tackles. We've seen the, the, the hard nose running. We've seen the touchdowns. We've seen, We've seen something out of him. early and then fix it. Yes. So when we're talking about wide receiver and we're talking about Manning and we're talking about bets and we're talking about guys that we are legitimately excited about. For sure. 100%, Do not, yeah. Redcasters, don't take this like we're not excited about those guys. But we've never seen them in the red and the white. Right. We've never seen them playing a Big Ten team. We've never seen them at this level. And to count so heavy on people that we haven't seen, that is where I feel like hype. Mm-hmm. If we talked about those guys, like they're going to have 22 touchdowns next year, which they might. Mm. They very well could. Sure. But if we said that right it's now. probably likely. <laughs> but if we count on that, then to me that is where the hype comes in. Yeah. And that's the struggle right now with this one spring practice this specific year is that we have some guys – that we're going to be counting on that just aren't here yet. And, and I think the the great spot to be in a program is when we're at a spot where we don't have so many unknowns of people that haven't mm-hmm. been here yet. Uh, just think a spring from now. Uh, we're going to lose Mills, but if Ramir has a good year next year, we'll have him coming back. Right. And and there's one or guy Sevian there. Or, Sevian, or, or, right? Yeah, and then the quarterbacks are coming back. And our wide receivers, imagine next year talking about – you know, Omar Manning coming back after a thousand yard year, yeah. you know, Betts coming back after a 400 yard year where he struggled to start the season, but by the end he had a big game against Penn State or something. That's what we want to see out of all the positions. And, and right now the positions are what they are. I, I think we have a lot of good material to work with, but uh, like I said earlier, I want to see Wondell take a leadership role in that room. Mm-hmm. Great stuff, guys. Let's talk tight ends just a little bit. I think I heard that Austin Allen maybe a little bit limited. So it feels like this is the big window for vocal act, right, Mac? Thank you, Dave. That was the other guy that Frost had mentioned was out for the spring was Austin Allen. So that that is kind of a big note, considering that we're also keeping Hickman out at wide receiver instead. So you know, they must feel pretty good about Stoll, and you know they feel pretty good about vocal act. And Frost made mention in the press conference, too, that Getting production out of the tight ends position has never been an issue before in this offense, but it has clearly been lacking the last two years here. So if going into the spring, if we can't get a full evaluation of the wide receiver position, we certainly could get a pretty good evaluation of the tight end position. Those Mm -hmm. guys could come out and really establish themselves as focal points of this offense. You know, when you're trying to take off, if you're, if you're, if you feel thin, at running back, which we maybe are, well, we are, and and if you're thin in the spring at wide receiver position, and you still want to kind of have a some kind of vertical threat or passing threat, then your tight ends are your next. That's your last option, really. Mm-hmm. So uh, 
that's an area we could focus on and, and really try to improve. And, and that would be nice to hear more of instead of prompted questions about what, what the wide receiver or excuse me, what the tight end group is doing, having the coaches say, well, those guys are really stepping up. We've seen a, a big increase in their uh, production during the offseason. So, Mac, some of the talk that we've had on social media has surrounded moving Hickman over to wide receiver and the concerns of what that would do to the tight end group going into a year from now. Like, obviously, the depth, you know, my gosh, we have to recruit a bunch. And I totally understand that argument and that concern. Mm -hmm. What I would say is that Hickman's always going to be here. He's not just because he moves the wide receiver doesn't mean he can't move back to tight end. But also, you know, a year from now, we're going to have Vokalek. We're going to have mm -hmm. Allen. We should have Raftall. Even by moving Hickman right now, we still have Infidelity. a lot of depth. Well, <laughs> that's the thing. The next recruiting class, you're going to want to bring in a couple of tight ends yeah. at the very least and probably a couple guys maybe at different levels. Yeah. You maybe want to bring in one or two prep guys, Fedoni, uh, Rollins from, yeah. from Omaha, and then maybe one Juco guy. And if you bring those guys in next year's class, you could literally redshirt all of them while you still had Vokalev, Allen, Mm -hmm. Raftall and Hickman on staff. So you could do all of that, bring new people in. I'm not as concerned about the long-term depth at that position, even though I realize when you look at the roster, the roster is very uh, junior and senior heavy right, right now at yeah. tight end. It, it does look really slanted on the right side of the scholarship chart that I'm looking at. It's all juniors and seniors. But if we bring in some guys in this year's class, I think we still could work them in, give them a full offseason, full yeah. year of development and, and kind of get the, the roster situated right with that position. It's funny that so many people have an opinion on Hickman moving to the outside or playing tight end. And to me, it just doesn't even seem like a thing. The way this offense and in the defense, too, it's very kind of positionless, you know. So he can move inside. He can move outside. Yeah. They do that anyway. I mean, the tight ends don't always just line up right next to the tackle. That's not how this offense works. So I feel like Husker fans get really hung up on our starting lineups wow. and, and what position guys are playing. I'm well, like, crap. it just doesn't matter. Wide receivers are running backs in some places. That's, what, that's what I'm saying. Running backs Hus Huskars. Are, yeah, running backs are <laughs> wide receivers on some plays. I mean, it's just positionless yeah. football. I, you know, I think the O-line is going to return a lot of experience. Uh, those guys look pretty sharp today. They know what they're doing, uh, you know, particularly Hymas, Farniak, uh, Cam Jurgens is going to be a lot better with the year under his belt. Hickson's played, but Wilson's been around a long time, so we have quite a bit of experience there. We're veteran at, at tight end. Um, we don't have a senior quarterback, but those guys have been around and doing what we're asking them to do for a long time, so... Uh, really, you know, running back other than Mills, we're going to be young, and, and receiver, we're going to be pretty young. And um, we can get by with that as long as the leadership's good from the other places. Let's talk about the offensive line yes. really quick. <laughs> Sounds like Rice Benhart will get every chance maybe with the right tackle. Sounds like Farniak could move it in. Mac? That was one of the questions you knew was going to be asked early on in the press conference, and the players came out before the coaches, and Farniak was specifically asked if he played any any guard. And he said a little bit. He didn't he didn't make it sound like that's exclusively where he played. But then what was interesting was he is they were they did put him at left guard, so he'd be right next to uh Heinz, which yeah. is cool. Yeah, but the the bottom line is he's not going anywhere unless somebody else steps up. Somebody has to take his place before he can move over. But we have five guys, no matter what, we have five returning starters, no matter what, no matter yep. how we, we jive this up. We've got five returning starters and some guys with some serious playtime. So it's so funny. We concern ourselves with the wide receiver position at Nebraska. We concern ourselves with the depth at running back at Nebraska. We, we were like 
three deep potentially at the quarterback position, but also the offensive line where Nebraska's made hay for years. We're probably the deepest, probably one of the most talented positions we've had. And yet we all want to talk about wide receivers that aren't here yet. Well, think about this. This is the way that we always talk about offense. And I don't care what the show is. You, If you're going to go position by position, you always start with quarterback. You go to running back. You go to wide receiver slash tight end. And you end with the O-line. Mm-hmm. That's just the way any show is done. And I'm telling you, not only is that backwards anyways, but it's certainly backwards with what we have on on the team coming back right now. The O-line is the is the group that we should be talking about number one. Mm-hmm. Not only because we have everyone coming back, but because we are the University of Nebraska. That was our calling card. Right. And I guess what I want to go back to is like, Mac, you and I talked to Sipple about a month ago. And Sipple made a great point. You know, he was talking about the running game. And, and guys, we need to be talking about um, all Big Ten you know, running backs. And he's not wrong. Right. But you don't have an all Big Ten running back unless you have an all Big Ten line. Generally not. And so we have a prime opportunity right now. And here's the good news, bad news. And, and Redcasters, you, you're going to hear this with whatever kind of preconceived bias you, you have here. But we have every starting lineman back. Mm-hmm. Some of you might think that's terrible. And some of you might think that's yeah. the greatest thing in the world. And, and I don't really care right now. At the minimum, every single starter is back. And to your point, Mac, if Farniak moves to left guard, all right. That means someone else took his, his job at right tackle. Someone stepped up. Whether that's Ben Hart, Bando, whether it's Sichterman, whether it's whoever it yeah. is, whether it's Gaylord, I don't care how it happens. Someone's good enough to take that right spot, and then he takes the left guard, mm-hmm. if that's the case. Well, then if he takes the left guard, then Hickson, a guy who just got 12 games of starting experience a year ago, all of a sudden he becomes your sixth or your seventh yeah. guy. You know, you have Bo Wilson, who is going into his third year of starting, and yet Ethan Piper might take him all the way down to the to the last practice of fall camp. That's not a terrible thing. That kind of competition and those kinds of players are starting to fit this system, the young guys coming in here. This is to me it's a really exciting group. And yet because there's no stats that come out of it, because they're not catching mm-hmm. the ball and because they're not running the ball and there's no worry about green jerseys, we don't talk about it enough, but this is Nebraska. This is offensive lineman you. Yeah. If we can't win in the trenches, then we're never going to win in the Big 10. We just never will. You have to win in the trenches. Amen. Well, they're all going to get reps. That's one of the great things about the way we practice. Guys are going to get a lot of reps. Uh, it's going to shake itself out. Uh, we're going to play Matt Farney out, get some guard. Uh, I know he can play tackle. We're going to see how he looks at guard some. Um, really where he ends up is going to depend on whether a young tackle or a, or a guard plays better, and we're going to get the best five on the field. Um, the depth there is going to be better than we've had in a long time, assuming we stay healthy and um, makes us to watch that competition. Hey, listen, I mean, to, just to put a cap on this offensive side of the spring launch that we're doing and to stay off the hype train as we, as we promised to do, I don't know if I promised that, but it, we talked about this before off the show. If I was to present to you a team that was third in the big 10 in rushing last year, that is returning every single lineman and that running back and a third year starting quarterback, all their tight ends back, um, and one of the top freshman wide receivers in the conference last year is also going to be back. Are, are you really that concerned that the wide receiver position is going to be the make or break for us? Now it may, it, it's certainly important, well, but, what, but let me, what, what if who one am of, I talking about? What that? if one of the, the greatest receivers to ever play the position at the school, maybe even still could come back at least has an open. Door. Yeah. Well, yeah, the guy who's about it, let's say that scenario exists and you have who's potentially set to break every wide receiver record you've ever had at that school come back as well. Are you feeling pretty okay about that offense? But is he 6'4"? No. 
He is not six four. <laughs> did, did you did you do anything in the recruiting world to bring in six four guys just to just to even get some height out there? Yes, we did. We addressed the deficiencies, and I think I really think we upgraded at positions that even have left and moved on. So, I mean, I, I'm just saying this isn't hype. That is just if I laid that out for anybody, anybody who's a reasonable football yeah. fan would look at that and go, "Well, that I mean, yeah, that sounds good." I mean, I would take those conditions, wouldn't you? I, I think I would. All right. Big Ten champs. <laughs> Screw you, Iowa. <laughs> no hype here in the Red Cat. It's time to throw the bones. We're going to try this. I didn't really want to burden uh, someone like Coach Dawson with making sure our outside linebackers improved and running all four special teams. That That's a heavy role, so... Um, I wanted somebody that could kind of do the X's and O's and schematics off the field for our uh, special teams and really train our coaches to go out and uh, implement it with our players. And it's going to save uh, save our position coaches a lot of time and have somebody that's um, entire time is dedicated to making our special teams better. All right, Boomer, we just heard there from Scott Frost about the different approach with special teams and how they're going to be utilizing Jonathan Rutledge as that special teams analyst in using the assistant coaches to communicate the X's and O's to the players. Your thoughts on that? Well, first off, I'm glad to see that uh, Scott Frost has apparently been listening to the Redcast. We've been beating that drum for basically since we've started on the importance of special teams, and we've commented before about how it really has cost us games, especially some key ones last year. And if anything, it swung momentums in a lot of games like Wisconsin and Iowa. So, you know, that, that horse has been uh, pummeled uh, to pieces here on the, on the show, so we don't need to go into that. I, I like the fact we do have somebody, at least theoretically, dedicated to special teams on this. You know, he is just an analyst, so he won't be able to, you know, have that hands-on role during games. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out as far as how it happens in a game. You know, I've I mentioned before, I always look at Urban Meyer as being that kind of measuring stick that we want to use for special teams and how big of an emphasis he placed on that. And he'd always said, you can't be an elite team unless you have an elite special teams to go along with it. And, you know, we haven't had that for years, and we'll see if Rutledge, you know, can at least take the steps to get us there. I, I, and, you know, we'd mentioned it before, I do want to see Frost taking a bigger role in kind of a hands-on part of the special teams, so we'll see if he does that. You know, he didn't seem to indicate he is, you know, in this press conference, which was a slight bit of concern to me, but he does say he's, you know, involving all the other coaches in it, so we'll, we'll see what comes out of it. Well, let's uh, go ahead and talk about the defense. Honky, let's start with the war daddies up front. What are you looking for with the D-line? I think it's all about Jordan Riley, and that was Ooh. that was the discussion of yesterday. Yeah, Jordan. Uh, you know, this is big picture thing, but um, a lot of guys stumble and make a mistake here, or there, life end up in a place you you're not always thinking you're going to end up, and he certainly did that by ending up in a junior college. Um, it's always rewarding if you give people kind of a second opportunity, a second chance, and, and they make the most of it. So uh, Jordan's been doing everything right since he got here. Um, he's got a bunch of ability. I was excited to see him out there today, and uh, I hope he's one of the success stories where he gets his second chance in Nebraska and makes the most of it. The guy brings a different amount of size to the position. Big six six dude and 300-plus pounds, right? And if you're on social media – over the course of the last day or so, the photos of Jakeem Green mm-hmm. 
and how he looks. And, and somebody, I can't remember who it was, but somebody put a photo oh, together yeah. of what Jakeen Green looked like. Was it the Husk guys? I don't know if it Gosh, was or not. I can't remember who it was, but somebody had a photo back to back of like what Keen Green looked like in August of 2019 when he first got here and today. And it's one of those photos that looks very good on, on Duvall. I mean, mm-hmm. he has clearly transformed the guy's body. So we have some big dudes there. Okay, and this goes back to again our, our conversation was simple, where it's like size matters. Yeah. We need big dudes in this conference, and Green and Riley added to the mix mm-hmm. is a good thing. You still have Daniels, you have you know obviously Stilly, you know coming back. Mm-hmm. There. We've got plenty of guys, DeAndre Thomas. We have a good nucleus of players there, and you throw those guys into it. I, we haven't even talked about the redshirt freshman guys yet. We haven't talked right. about the Ty Robinsons and the, you know, Wildermans and all those guys, Casey Rogers. And so I think there's a good nucleus to work with. Uh, you know, the concern always comes with the, you know, we're going to have three guys potentially drafted here that came off the D line. Mm-hmm. But you know what? That's a good thing too. And compete. Well, That's that, it. Just compete. That'll be win the trenches. That'll be the, that'll be an interesting point too, because. Clearly, based on combine numbers, we are replacing some pretty good athletes on that defensive line. That Khalil put up some very impressive numbers, explosion numbers, strength numbers. You know, it might have been a guy who was out of position most of his time here at Nebraska. But now we're replacing those guys with with length and size, like you said. And Chenander has always stressed that he wants length in his defense, and that really changes the you know, how you do run fits and whatnot. So what we are replacing those guys with are some big, tall guys. I mean, Robinson's huge. Riley's huge. Keem Green's a big dude. Long, lengthy dudes. Blaze Gunderson's another one who's coming in. He's got great range. So we're definitely replacing some talent. And, and, and we're counting on some guys that haven't really produced a ton for us, other than Stilly. You know, uh, was it Damian Daniels? Is that the little brother? Damian. Yeah, it was Darian was the older. So Damian was the younger. They talked about him and how good he is for 16 snaps, but how much we need to get him to 30 snaps. So it's going to be little things like that that really kind of shape and influence the season. But if we've got some depth behind him, which is what it sounds like, you know, that could be a position, I wouldn't say it necessarily of strength, but maybe no drop off. And where mm-hmm. other positions will improve, that might just be enough. You know, Mac, is it possible that because of you mentioned Goodell Davis and his combine numbers and they're they're amazing. But both Davises were kind of playing out of position, right? They were recruited four four three. You played them in a three four. It could be a possibility where maybe the new guys aren't necessarily as maybe these guys aren't necessarily as advanced as the Davis twins are physically yet. But since they're a better fit for the three four the production will still be there. I mean, that's a great question, Dave. And that really could be the, a big indicator of how the season is going to go. If those, if, if we get good, solid production and, and it becomes hard to run on the edges because of the length that we have, then is the surge that in the sacks that Khalil provided as important? Or does the fact that we can, that we can string things out, allow our linebackers to fill in better than they had last year? Cause that was an issue last year, right? This is kind of the transition between talking linemen and linebackers. So let's just group all this together. And we're just talking front seven front right seven now. Front seven time. And you mentioned it, Dave, and you just mentioned it, Mac, production. Think of the Minnesota game a year ago. How many times did no. we say, well, how many times <laughs> during that game did we say the D-line did their job? They got into the backfield. They yeah. took up yeah. they took up linemen. And then 
you know, Fleck would do these different cutback plays and the guy would cut back and there was no linebacker to be found, nobody there to make the tackle. So just because somebody ran for a bunch of yards on us last year doesn't mean that the D-line wasn't doing their job. You could still win the trenches and not Mm -hmm. make the tackle and it wasn't necessarily the D-line's issue. I feel like, you know, we have the size of the D-line guys that we want. I think we're going to have a lot of competition there. I think we're going to have some depth at the D-line. I'm actually fairly confident there. And this is where it starts to transition into the next line. And, you know, there was a question. It was Jim Minnesota. And we love you, Jim. I know you listen to the show. And and Jim's a great follow. Definitely give him a follow on Twitter. He sent out a thing about, like, you know, who are the top five guys you're interested in Mm. spring ball? And I put down Ramir Johnson, number one. Put down Hickman, number two. But my number three was Snodgrass. And inside linebacker right now. Who's replacing the Mowberries? I think is so important. And my number four, for what it's worth, was Jakeem Green. Um, I want to see how some of those guys I think can get infused into that front seven. Snodgrass. All the talk is about Heinrich and, and Hannah for the young guys that are in the inside mm-hmm. linebackers. But I love what a guy like Snodgrass can bring. Reimer too. Yeah, let's not forget the walk-ons there. Right? We need dudes that are going to fill those gaps when those linemen take up those blockers. And the reason that we brought up how big Keen Green looks and, and how big Riley looks, if these guys can take up double teams, they still might not make the play. Production, I'm saying mm-hmm. that with you know quotation marks around it, they might not get production in terms of a stat. But if we can give stats of double teams taken up, that's a pretty important stat. And then what you need off of that double team is somebody coming in, a killer linebacker, to make that tackle. Absolutely. And we missed that too many times a year ago. And so that's where I want to see what a guy like Snodgrass looks like here. I want to see how Colin Miller and Hannes, you know, step up into those starting roles. We haven't even talked about Va, you know, mm-hmm. the new Juco guy that's playing there too. So there's plenty of new faces there. That's really crucial to, I think, ultimately the success of this defense is how that whole front seven, it, mm-hmm. it, we almost have to look at that as one group. There is literally three coaches there. There are three coaches for, for, for seven players, but it is so vital. Those seven Boy, have to work together. That's a raw deal for Travis Fisher. Yeah, oh my God. My goodness. It? Let's throw another 100000 on his salary. I have no issue with that. That's a raw deal. <laughs> seven guy, seven positions get three coaches. He's got four, one. That's, that's ridiculous. <laughs> well, Mac, uh, it sounds like there's some flexibility maybe on some of those Guys coming up to actually fill in those outside linebacker spots. You want to talk about that at all? Well, uh, yeah, I mean, just going right back to Travis Fisher. He's done such a good job that he's going to go ahead and donate uh, <laughs> Javon Wright to uh, the the outside linebacker position. So anybody that watched his dad, though, I mean, if he hits anything like Toby does in a game, Toby Toby Wright was right when I was coming in to be a Husker fan. Toby Wright was one of our safeties, and I just I loved watching him play. To see someone bring the thunder like that all the time. He's On the fantastic. spot, Mac, what number was he? Three? Absolutely. <laughs> what can I say? Mine like a steel trap. Anyway, um, <laughs> no, Travis Fisher does have his hands full this year because what are you going to do? You've got Cam Taylor-Britt, a guy that for sure has to be on the field, right? Yep. You've got DiCaprio Boodle, a guy that's been on the field since he's been here, so he's got to be on the field, right? You've got Markel Dismuke, who held it down all last year. Is he gone? And then you add... Deontay Williams, Williams, a guy who was a a starter, and now he's back. And then you've got this young freshman class, these redshirt freshmen, 
That was one of the most touted part of your recruiting class the last two years, really. Well, who's the guy that they like the most, apparently, out of that group? Well, Miles Farmer seems to be the yes. guy that gets mentioned a lot, but Quentin Newsom isn't far behind. Yep. Um, you still have Braxton Clark out there, another big, wide, yes. rangy cornerback. So it'd be interesting to see. I wouldn't mind to see a few more defections from that, especially the bigger guys. You know, for if we're trying to get more pass rush, you could see them maybe moving some of those guys up to outside linebacker. Can Taylor Britt's an interesting one, right? Because mm-hmm. He certainly has to be on the field, but you just leave him at cornerback. I mean, that just seems like it, not the best utilization of a guy I'll like t- that. You know, I think Taylor, whether he plays safety or, or cornerback, I don't know yet. You know, we'll see more. I want to see him to be be a little more physical if yeah. he's going to be playing a safety. I think that I've seen a lot of him being a really good cover corner, and that's that is a spot that I think Cam Juice, mm. if we can call him that. Don't Google Cam Juice, by the way, Redcasters. That they'll give you potentially something completely different. But um, I think that he, you know he has a, a real spot there at corner, and I want to really see him lock down a spot there. Yeah, it's great stuff, Hong. Uh, we've we've covered all the positions here, but the Cam Juice reference a little bit about what is known as name, image, and license. You know, Nebraska's always been a leader and an innovator in a lot of things. Um, I think the NIL decisions uh, will benefit us greatly. There's very few places in the whole country where uh, where a player's uh, name, image, likeness, um, personality uh, can benefit them more than Nebraska. Just because of the fan base, the excitement around here. I don't think I'm spilling the beans here, but I think there'll be a, a big announcement coming probably in the next week or so um, that'll help Nebraska position itself as, as one of the leaders in that area. Right. Uh, it seems like we're starting to launch a, a program where there's an announcement today, collaboration with Open Doors, right, Mac? That's uh, Blake Morris's uh, company um, to start promoting our players and building their brand. Yeah, we talked about this the last podcast, although I don't know that any of it made it to the actual podcast because some of it was, you know, off air and <laughs> the language might not have been uh, the rating we were looking for. But this is, I love the fact that Nebraska is out in front on something like this. They, we are absolutely going to use this as a recruiting tool. And, you know, Dave, you mentioned it. We're, we're partnering with a group, Open Doors. It's, it's an incomplete branding system where guys can actually not just guys too it's it's the entire athletic department which differentiates it a little bit from some other programs that have got it going I, I saw on on twitter there was a little debate about ohio state doing this in 2018 which they did but it was just for their football team nebraska's rolling this out for the entire athletic department you're, you're going to be hard pressed as a recruit to find a a state uh a program a destination that is better suited to to brand an image and a likeness and, and get something going for you than, than Nebraska. So super cool to see this kind of stuff out there. Frost mentioned his press conference, and then we got the announcement today. Um, you've seen the Cam Juice on, on Twitter already. You know, 2EM's got a logo. I've seen one for Decap. I've seen one for Hymas. So, I mean, they, they are already out in front of it. I You know, the volleyball team certainly should be up for something like that. Lexi Suns could be very cool. Who knows what we're going to do with her. You know, it it – it's exciting that as as a you know the middle of the country, middle America, Nebraska. Everyone thinks what's there to do. You know it's cornfields and blah blah blah. You know Nebraska back on the leading edge of something again in college sports. You know back when it was the 
the weightlifting program, we were cutting edge. We were the ones who established what this was going to look like and what people did in model going forward. Now with this, you know, this was NIL going forward, you know, it's good to see us embrace it because it's something that will only benefit us going forward. Yeah, I think we'll learn a lot more as this moves forward, but it does seem like we are on the front of this uh, compared to most other football programs. All right, guys, great show. Learned a lot. Looking forward to spring ball. Let's get out of here with some parting shots. Honky. Wow. From a technical standpoint, this has been rough. <laughs> I, actually, my parting shot was going to be to thank you because <laughs> I, Redcasters, I don't know how this is going to end up sounding, but if it does, if it doesn't sound like you know chopped up garbage, it's only because Honky did a really good job of editing it because we have had every struggle tonight possible. As we are recording right now, I've been tweeting with the Cobcast and the Husker Fan Podcast, Husker Pod. Uh, just asking them the question, have you guys gone through like technical issues before in a show? Because, and we all have, and, and it's kind of a nice little back and forth, but, uh, damn, this is rough. Anywho, we'll make it work. And you know what? It's spring ball. It's football. I mean, you know, when you put everything in perspective, we're going to have football to talk about again now for the whole next month and a half. And that's a good thing. Uh, in addition to football to talk about, we actually will have a little bit of volleyball to talk about too. And that was actually my, my initial parting shot was that the volleyball team announced they're going to play a spring match against Northern Colorado at the Heartland Event Center in Grand Island on Saturday, April 25th. You know, that's really cool. I think that's a – it doesn't lend itself well to football, but I think it's so cool that volleyball and that iconic sport that we have can just – last year I think they played in McCook. They played in Ogallala in the past. I think that's such a cool thing that they do where they just kind of go around the state and play. And, and, and again, Husker Nation, all of you out there, what you guys do is amazing. You show up wherever the Huskers go – Continue to do that. We're, we're good. All right, Boomer. Well, I'd just like to uh, add, as I know my initial uh, hot take was kind of poking fun of the idea of some football players playing on the basketball team, but I'd just like to remind Redcasters that if you go back and look at, even back in the great days of uh, Jumbo Steam, they would have uh, football players like the great Dick Rutherford playing on the basketball team, and those Husker basketball teams won conference titles. So I think we have uh, only the you know, the glorious future to look ahead to here. So you might as well go ahead and book your NCAA tournament tickets now, assuming they play any games due to the coronavirus. But I think we're pretty well guaranteed to win the Big Tail tournament. So Noah Vedrill is going to lead us for the title. Mac. Well, like I said, I, I my shout-out, not my shout-out, I guess, but my party shot was going to be to the man on my left here. I, I do appreciate all the editing you do, and I know this show is going to be murder on you. Um, but uh, it, it, I'm sure it'll sound good. Gosh, we said so many smart things tonight. And, I know. And, 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 and intelligent and eloquent. and Gosh, I, I don't want to call it poetry, but, you know, poetry. So, And, and there's so much we have to leave out that our, that our listeners just can't get. Otherwise, this would be like an eight- or nine-hour show. Oh, Redcasters, if you knew what what ended up on the yeah editing room floor, it's gold. Podcast gold. All right, guys. Well, let's call that a gold. Big red cat. Big red. Happy spring. GBR.